from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the program, friends. In uh, just a few minutes, we'll be joined by biblical prophecy expert Nils Hammerin. It's been a while since Nils has been on the program. He, the author of Seal of the End Times. And uh, we'll do sort of a, a roundup of uh, end times news, if you will. He'll, he'll we'll examine some recent news events uh, as seen through the prism of end times uh, prophecy. Nils Hammerin coming up. But first, what we're going to do is uh, just update you on a story we touched on last week. Well, touched on. We, we dedicated an hour to it. Uh, recently, a former CIA official who acted as liaison to the entertainment industry, i.e. Hollywood and the motion picture industry, uh, Chase Brandon made some rather compelling public statements. He he said that everything that we've heard, I'm paraphrasing, everything we've heard about the Roswell UFO crash in 1947, the U.S. Army covering up the recovery of a uh, an extraterrestrial craft and a recovery of alien bodies, everything we heard about that is absolutely 100% true. Chaz Brandon made these statements on the uh, the public airwaves, and I um, uh, put together a, a panel of ufologists, including Victor Vigiani, who joins us on this program quite frequently, uh, Robbie Graham, uh, and my next guest, uh, Grant Cameron, who, uh, of course, is been doing some amazing UFO research uh, with um, the various presidential libraries, uncovering documents uh, through the Freedom of Information Act, and uh, finding out, you know, various uh, how various White House administrations have been involved in the UFO issue. Grant Cameron, welcome to the Conspiracy Show once again. Well, thanks for having me on, Richard, and I'm glad you're still following the story. Well, we, 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 we need to tie up some loose ends here because too often when we talk about these stories, uh, you know, in this, uh, the 24 hour news cycle, uh, we have these huge, you know, amazing stories and then often we're left to wonder, well, whatever happened to, to that? Well, here we had one, Chase Brandon, a couple of weeks ago, uh, talking about this and then we discussed it on the program last week. Uh, you know, what did you make of, of Chase Brandon's comments? What did Robbie Graham, Victor Vigiani, and so forth? So you, uh, Victor and Robbie actually decided to contact the CIA. First of all, tell me how you communicated this to the CIA and remind us what you asked them. Well, basically, it was a letter drafted by uh, Robbie Graham, who's, uh, like Chase Brandon is sort of the media expert for the CIA. Uh, Robbie Graham is sort of the media expert for the UFO community. He drafted the letter. I was one of three signatories on the letter. And basically what we asked the CIA is to uh, confirm that, that Chase Brandon was with him, with the agency. Uh, we asked uh, how did he get on coast to coast? Was he given authorization to get on coast to coast? Uh, what was their reply, you know, their response? Were the documents that he's talking about? All this kind of stuff. And um, basically they replied to us immediately and said that uh, they would investigate the thing, they would look into it, and that they would let us know as soon as possible. 
Um, then uh, we got the reply back, and it was uh, really not a surprise to any of the four people that had signed the letter. And what they basically said is they found nothing in the agency's holdings to corroborate Mr. Brandon's specific claims. So basically, and then they referred to a 1997 study that they had uh, uh, done at the CIA, which reviewed 50 years of UFO uh, involvement by the CIA and basically came to the conclusion that the vast majority of UFO sightings were uh, high-altitude spy planes that people had misidentified, and the same old story, there was really nothing to UFOs. So they basically came back, and that's what we figured they would do. They wouldn't say Brandon was a liar. They wouldn't say he was telling the truth. They just basically said, we looked, we couldn't find any anything that confirmed what Mr. Brandon is, is saying. They didn't answer the question we asked uh, in terms of... Um, What's your position on this? Did you talk to Mr. Brandon about this? Did you ask him where the files were? Um, in fact, Billy Cox, who's a reporter from Florida, who was following the story, wrote a, a report on it, uh, actually phoned and actually got a hold of the archivist at the um, Langley, in the archives at Langley, the headquarters, and he refused to talk. He said, the only thing I, uh, I'm going to stand by the statement that was put out by the CIA so basically what the CIA has done is what I think all the agents have been doing for 50 years is they'll leak a story, they'll put it out, then they'll pull the story back, and then they'll go back to the, the company policy that uh, UFOs aren't of national security uh, importance, uh, there's no threat, uh, there's nothing extraterrestrial, and we aren't involved and there's no cover-up. So that's basically what they did is they basically said, we have nothing, we can't, they didn't really deal with the response, they just said, we can't find the documents he's talking about. Didn't say whether they'd used him to help or anything, just basically used that, and now are standing standing tight in terms of making no, more, no further comment on uh, what he said. And Brandon himself is sort of uh, running for the hills. Uh, he did, uh, uh, you may know, he did another coast-to-coast -coast, uh, yes, yes. Uh, interview uh, just a, uh, a couple days ago. He did one with Britain. But what he told Lee Spiegel, and Lee Spiegel did the major article at the Huffington Post, uh, and this is an article that has uh, received one, 1 1.5 million hits. It's a massive viral uh, sort of uh, article that's gone out there on Chase Brandon. And Lee Spiegel talked to him on Friday, and Chase Brandon is saying that now he's sort of screening the people that he does interviews with, and he's only going to talk to people who actually are going to want to talk about the book. He doesn't want to talk about the, the UFO part anymore. He just wants to talk about the book. And, uh, of course, that avoids all the researchers who have the sort of tough questions as to... Uh, you know, the specifics of the story that he's telling. Now, the CIA, when you contacted them, and your question was, uh, can they verify, essentially, whether Chase Brandon was working for the CIA? What was their response to that question? Uh, they didn't respond to anything. All they responded at the beginning was they said, uh, we sent them a whole list of questions, six or seven questions, and they all they stated in their initial reply was, we will look into the, the situation uh, quickly, and we will get back to you. That's what they said. That was their only answer. And when they came with their final answer, they didn't answer any of the questions. 
All they said is they found nothing in the agency's holdings to collaborate Mr. Brandon's specific claims, the claims of the Roswell box. So they're basically saying we couldn't find the documents. Didn't say where they had looked or who looked or whether they'd asked Brandon to help them. They just said we can't find the documents and really didn't refer to the coast-to-coast interview or anything, didn't address any of the questions, and now they're refusing to talk about anything. They just uh, are saying, that's our statement, we're standing by the statement. And so that's what I've said they've done for years, is numerous agencies have done that, is they'll leak a UFO story, and then when the story starts to get, starts to move, they pull it back, uh, and they just sort of leave it and say, we're not interested in UFOs, and whoever is telling the story uh, ends up holding the story, whether it's Bob Lazar or whether it's Corso or all these people in history that have told these stories. And uh, the, the story gets out, and the cover-up is maintained, which is, I think, what they're trying to do. They're, they're leaking the story and keeping it under control by not really addressing the questions. Uh, but there seems to be little doubt uh, that Chase Brandon was, in fact, the CIA's liaison with the entertainment industry, correct? Yeah. I, other, uh, Robbie Graham has had correspondence with other CIA people, and they have basically confirmed that. And everybody that's checked into Chase Brandon uh, confirms that, that he was 25 years uh, working as, as a covert agent and then 10 years as the media guy. I don't think anybody denies that part of the story. Uh, that sort of holds up. He is who he says he is. Uh, it's in terms of how accurate his story is. And I think basically what's happened is he's, he has gotten access to classified material through, uh, whatever means by talking to people, by looking at documents or whatever. And because that's classified, he can't talk about that. So he's made up this story about this box that he found and has put out the story, uh, and now is sort of into a position where he's saying, I just believe Roswell happened and uh, we're going to leave it at that. And I believe that, that extraterrestrials have been here for thousands of years and that's my belief and what I saw in the box confirms my belief. And uh, he's sort of, he doesn't want to talk about the specifics of of this story that he initially told on Coast to Coast. And, and so then what are we what are we then to do with with his statements originally that that he looked into this this secret file this box stamped Roswell and uh, saw artifacts and documents that he said corroborated all that we've ever heard about Roswell what are we to do with this information now just dismiss it forget it I think it just goes the same as the Lazar story or the Corso story or a story like there's another another CIA agent by the name of Ronald Pandolfi who leaks stuff through an intermediary and he's told stories about the live alien at uh, Los Alamos. And all these stories is is what's happening. The story gets out and it sort of floats around. People sort of pick up on it. And then the the actual core of the story falls falls apart. Like Chase Brandon will just sort of disappear. I've I've said I'm in contact with Lee uh, Spiegel, who did the initial story, who is still in contact with with Chase. Uh, he met with him for an hour last Friday, but Chase didn't want to do an interview, so they just sort of uh, chit chatted a little bit about this and that. And uh, so I've said we've got to keep the guy talking. I don't think it really helps because Chase Brandon is only a pawn in the game. I think unless you get the CIA to answer the questions as to um, 
who Chase Brandon is, whether they talked to Chase Brandon, uh, whether they gave him instruction to do this. That, that's where the only place you're going to get any significant movement on the story. Uh, Chase Brandon, it, the story's not going to go anywhere because he really can't, even, even himself, he says, I don't know what happened to the box. I don't know where it went. And so the, that part of the story just sort of fades away. He can't prove it and we can't prove that he's lying. And that, that dies. It's, it's the CIA. It's the, the agencies that are leaking this stuff who are the agencies where they have the answers and they know what's going on and they basically aren't talking. They have these sort of guys that sort of go out and spread this stuff and, uh, it, it basically goes nowhere. It's like, it's, it is, it's frustrating. They've done this for 40 years. They've done this kind of stuff. Grant. Leak these stories and it just disappears into nowhere. And that's, that's what's going to happen here. The story will just eventually fade away. All right, Grant. Well, thank you for the update. Uh, Grant Cameron, the website is www.presidentialufo.com. And, uh, well, we'll try and st- we'll follow it wherever it goes, I guess. That's the best we can do. But, Grant, thank you for yeah. the update. On the, on the website, they ha- I have quite a few updates. If you follow the website, uh, I have almost daily an update of the story. Terrific. Thank you for this. All right. Thank you. Nils Hamron, End Times Prophecy, when we come back. Stay with us. Or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. I think most of us are aware that uh, uh, these unmanned drones, uh, these unmanned uh, uh, flying vehicles are being used, widely used uh, by the U.S. in Afghanistan to spot and target uh, suspected insurgents and and Taliban operatives in that country as well as uh, neighboring Pakistan. They've been used by um, American government agencies like U.S. Customs and Border Protection, a division of the Department of Homeland Security for a few years in uh, an observation surveillance uh, capacity. Uh, but you may not be aware that earlier this year, uh, uh, Congress, with little fanfare, passed an FAA reauthorization bill uh, which uh, President Obama signed into law that makes it much easier for the government to put up to 30,000 of these unmanned spy planes or spy drones into American skies. Uh, we're going to discuss that in a few moments, along with uh, this amazing story. Uh, a former police officer who retired from the FBI due to post-traumatic traumatic stress disorder linked to her role in the aftermath of September 11th terror attacks has recently written a book about seeing legions of angels guarding the Pennsylvania site where a hijacked airliner crashed. Lily Leonardi served as a liaison between law enforcement and the families of the passengers and crew members killed in the United Airlines Flight 93 crash. And uh, she arrived on the scene about three hours after the crash And uh, now, according to her new book, In the Shadow of a Badge, a Spiritual Memoir, she talks about her vision of angels and argues her life has been changed by uh, more by what she didn't see that day. Uh, We're we're going to delve into that right now uh, with a biblical prophecy expert who's studied the Bible for nearly 60 years. He's the author of Seal of the End Times, and uh, we're going to look at Recent news events as seen through the prism of end times prophecy. A great pleasure to welcome back to the program Nils Hammerin. Nils, how are you, my friend? I am fine.
Brian Richard, and it's great to be back on your show. You really have been doing a good job up there in Toronto, and uh, we enjoyed getting the storm that you sent down to us just a few hours ago. Did you get walloped by that? Was that was I, I described that as biblical earlier? That was that was just a, uh, a, a an Old Testament deluge. There are very very strange things going on in the New Jersey area with weather. We have had a storm appear out of nowhere with 1,000 lightning bolts in 15 minutes. That occurred about a week ago. And people are looking at these things and wondering, this is not normal. There are things going on that just don't make any sense. The whole country is a drought scene. And uh, it just rains and rains in some places and no other place. It, It just... There was a storm down in Florida that stayed in one place for four days, and it did not go into Texas, which needed uh, rain badly. You mentioned a drought, Nils, and, and uh, I want to talk about this global food crisis that's uh, looming and ga- grain prices starting to soar. You mentioned the drought. And that they're saying that this is the worst drought in the United States in a quarter of a century. That's and, right. And this is giving rise to... Uh, uh, you know, old, an old-fashioned commodity rally on world, world markets, but you're getting key grain prices hitting highs and causing food crises in, in vulnerable parts of the globe uh, when we can least afford it. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of tinder around the world uh, ready to be ignited. So this is all, you know, the last thing we need are... Uh, are uh, you know food shortages and and uh, and so forth? What what can you tell me about what's going on with food prices and and this drought? Well, I would connect all of it to um, a, a basic problem. Uh, whether or not people believe this or not, it's in the Bible, and uh, I read it. I read it every day, and I say to myself. How simple it would be for us to make things better for the United States, for Canada, and for many parts of the world just by listening to the words in the Bible and doing what it is suggesting. And one of the things is that uh, the Bible states that in our time, I mean, just looking at the time slice that we're living in right now, Those people that ignore the Bible or ignore the plight of Israel uh, are actually doing something which is bringing to themselves harm. If the United States would announce tomorrow that they're going to change their policy and back Israel to the hilt, the drought situation would ease within days. And all these strange things that are happening to crops, uh, invasion into uh, crop genetics by companies like Monsanto, government hoarding, government changing of things, all that would begin to be taken care of in a better way. Uh, right now, the United States is thumbing its nose at the world, at prophecy, at religion. Religion is... Uh, declining in the United States at a horrible rate. You can go past churches on a Sunday and see two cars outside of the church. And three years ago, the same church would have had maybe 25 cars or maybe more. Church attendance is declining. 
people are laughing at the uh, the words in the Bible. Religion is looked upon as some kind of a sickness, and people don't realize that we're being slowly coaxed into this position, even though it may not be something that we would on our own come to the conclusion that it was correct. And it is absolutely not correct. Uh, it's one of those things that you try to explain to people, the Bible is real. The Bible is very, very real. The thing is, too many people have taken Bible verses and made of them what they wanted. They're not reading the Bible as it states itself to be. And uh, laying the groundwork for this sort of thing, you have to know about the Bible backwards and forwards, maybe spend a lot of time uh, studying it. But there are key verses in the Bible that help us a great deal in understanding uh, just what's taking place. Right now, uh, in the time that the Antichrist will be in power, that is called Shabuah 350. It is the last block of prophecy time that we have available from the Bible. That means that we are in the end times. There's no question whether we're in the end times or not. If you know how the Shabuah clock works, which is God's clock, we have only one Shabuah block left. It hasn't started yet, but when it once starts, we even know the exact length of time that it will last, and that would be six years, 328 days. That's not a hard number to understand, and in fact, if you knew that number, and you knew when that Shabuah started, you would know the exact day that Armageddon would occur. In other words, you would know when the uh, horrible times of the uh, earth that is uh, being plagued on us right now would end. So some might say, though, you, you look around the world and we get back to the, the, the this global food crisis, this 25-year, uh, or this drought that we're in. Uh, in, 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 in uh, yeah, the breadbasket uh, in the United States, 20, the, the worst drought in 25 years. You've got corn prices that um, uh, have, uh, let me see here, they've, they've surged 40% in the last three weeks alone. That's 40% right. on corn prices. What is it in the end times? What does it say about what's going to happen to food supplies? I mean, uh, there will be droughts. And there are not only droughts, any drought is definitely going to cause a food shortage. We're having a surge in uh, uh, the world uh, population, which is not being met by new farms. In fact, I can read in. Uh, New Jersey magazines that cover New Jersey, which is not really a farm state, but we're losing farms at a high rate. It's small farms. There may not be big farms, <clears throat> but every every year we lose farms. We don't gain any farms. We don't gain any food. All that has been shifted out to the Midwest, and now big, big companies uh, are running the show the way they want. Maybe they want high prices. Maybe they want a food shortage. That is the illogical way that uh, some of these people think. 
They uh, want war. It says the this recent surge in 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 uh, grain prices have has added 75 million people to the number of chronically hungry people in the world. Uh, and uh, other estimates put that increase up to 160 million additional chronically hungry people. Nils Hammern is with us, End Times Press, author of Seal of the End Times. Uh, the other story I wanted to get to, Nils, has to do with uh, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. They're now apparently calling U.S. households and demanding child immunization records as part of a vaccine surveillance and tracking program. I mean, I don't care what side of the vaccine issue on. That's just, to me, that's just, uh, that's invasive. That's wrong. Absolutely. And it's, it's increasing in not, something like this actually is a bellwether. When something like this happens, you know that the, the republic, which the United States is, is in serious trouble simply because a government agency thinks it has the right to call people and demand that their children are immunized, whether or not the immunizations work, and many scientists state clearly they don't work, and in fact they can be very dangerous. A certain percentage of people that get these uh, shots wind up dead, and uh, there are the people that uh, take the shots. Of course, they don't benefit at all from what the shot's supposed to help them with. In fact, it may actually create the disease that it's supposed to be against, such as the flu vaccine. Uh, and, pe- people are know, getting a letter. Excuse me, Nils. People are getting sure. a letter from the CDC. Uh, or they're getting a... The, the, anyway, they're, the, first they get a letter, and it says, Your phone number... Uh, was chosen randomly by computer, explains the letter, which goes on to say that the CDC will use your information to generate a map of vaccine compliance, no doubt to later target low-compliance areas with increased vaccination propaganda or even court-ordered immunization mandates, uh, like the one that was witnessed in Maryland uh, not too long ago, where people were actually um, uh, told to show up at the uh, the county courthouse with their children in tow, and they were they were for, they were vaccinated by basically by force. They couldn't leave without getting their children vaccinated. Now, hard to believe this is all happening in the land of the the brave and the land of the free. It's also hard to believe that uh, people are becoming uh, uh, mentally off kilter. Little children are getting these uh, immunizations, and they turn into uh, uh, people that are not fully formed. They have problems mental problems. So this is uh, linked to uh, injections of these common uh, diseases that uh, the government is pushing. And uh, scientists analyze the uh, fluid that's in some of these injections. It turns out there's mercury, there's aluminum, there's all kinds of things that in the in the human body have no purpose whatsoever. But how does this, uh, how, how do you see this um, child immunization, uh, you know, the tracking, uh, uh, surveilling and tracking vaccine programs and it, the immunization of children. How do you see this as playing into b- biblical end times prophecy? It is uh, government increasing its control of the individual. In other words, the human right to free will is being challenged by governments and uh, 
other types of uh, forms of control of people. Uh, it's something which is ungodly. A human being is born with a brain, and we're supposed to make our own decisions, our own, uh, you know, craft out our own life the way we, we want to do it, and form our own ideas of the, the right moral codes and so forth. And we can only do that if we have free will. All right. But what happens when, when the government intrudes on you like this, the natural reaction in most people is to back off and, and you know, let, let others decide. Let the government do what they want and so forth. And uh, that way uh, you're losing your free will. Okay, Nils, got to take a time out. When we come back, we'll talk about this ex-FBI agent claiming she saw angels guarding the Flight 93 site. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show, Nils Hamron, and Times Press. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740. Nils Hamron is uh, with us from End Times Press and uh, the book is Seal of the End Times. We'll tell you how to get a copy uh, of that. Uh, first, uh, I just wanted to uh, go back to a story I touched on uh, earlier. And, uh, you know, we like to think of the, the drone war as something uh, sort of far away, uh, being fought in the deserts of Yemen or the mountains of Afghanistan. But it's a lot closer than many of us are, are, are aware. There are 64 drone bases on American soil. These are these unmanned aerial vehicles, and uh, they are, uh, well, in many cases, in, um, in, in Afghanistan, they are armed, and they are being used to target uh, insurgents and Taliban and, and terrorists and so forth. Um, but these bases in the U.S., you've got... Um, uh, uh, predator, the, the Predator, you've got the Reaper, you've got medium-sized um, uh, drones called the Shadow. They're in about 22 different bases. There's something even smaller called the Raven. There's a miniature one called the Wasp in 11 California and Texas um, uh, bases. Uh, now, according to the uh, Posse Comitatus, Comitatus Act, that pro- prohibits the U.S. military from operating on American soil which means that these drones couldn't be used against U.S. citizens. There's no evidence that drones have violated that so far. Uh, but i got to believe you know it's coming. I mean, I think it's a fine line between, you know, using an unmanned uh, a drone on a, on, a, on, a, on a citizen and merely spying on a citizen. And then, of course, we have the story of the U.S. Congress okaying 30,000 flying drones uh, to be used 
uh, perhaps on Americans across U.S. cities. Nils Hamron, what do you make of this disturbing trend, the use of it's, drones? It's a very interesting uh, double-sided kind of a story because they made uh, the 30,000 uh, flying drones are actually 30,000 licenses. In other words, you have to have a license if you're going to fly a drone because there are private companies that want to do this. There are companies that do uh, logging and uh, they do aerial surveying and so forth. A, a drone is a perfect way for them to do some of this work. And then there's the argument that on the uh, coasts of both, uh, well, even on large lakes, when there's a, dr- a distress call, it takes time for boats, uh, even airplanes, to get over to the site where the distress call is coming from. A drone could get out there very quickly and could be programmed to cover an area just automatically. And uh, that is what some of these license applications are reading out. They're also saying that in... Uh, U.S. Uh, government parks, there is a constant need for people to go out, uh, especially in bad weather and in um, maybe uh, dark, uh, complete dark and so forth. And I believe these drones can operate, some of the drones can operate in the dark, uh, looking for uh, lost hikers, campers, people like that. Well, that's an excellent point. Yeah, so in other words, this thir- the approval for 30,000 flying drones is basically they're going to license 30,000, and these can be these may be uh, private ventures. They may be used for search and rescue, so there's an upside. These can that's be very the useful. The downside would be exactly what you were inferring in the beginning, that they can become spy tools. And that is, you know, where you have to draw the line. If they're being used uh, humanely, uh, so be it. If they're being used to cause trouble, uh, to spy on people, uh, find out what's going on, let's say, on a large farm, uh, spy on uh, if there's uh, drugs coming in there or something that they want to track, guns are coming in. Uh, or they could use them on the, the uh, borderline, you know, with Mexico, uh, trying to keep an eye, um, and let's say a continuous eye, on who is coming across and where are they going. Uh, that might be a way of setting up uh, a patrol of our borders in a fairly inexpensive way. Uh, if it's looked in that regard, I don't think the drones are a bad thing. But once it goes bad, how do you how do you counter it? What are you going to do? Get aircraft uh, uh, weapons that uh, can shoot down uh, a drone? Uh, well, again, let me, let, let's put this through the the end times uh, the end times filter, and we'll do that when we come back after the uh, the break. Uh, how these drones might be used? Suppose, uh, let's say, during the uh, the reign of the Antichrist. Uh, we'll also talk about. A former Pentagon analyst who says China can shut down all the telecom gear it sold to the U.S. That was a daunting thought, and we'll discuss that and more with End Times Prophecy expert Nils Hammerin. We'll also take your calls back with more in a minute here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett.
peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, so much uh, so much to discuss, so little time. Uh, Nils Hamron here with End Times Press, the author of Seal of the End Times. We may have to institute this as a semi-regular feature as we examine uh, news events through the filter of uh, biblical prophecy. Uh, Nils, uh, I do want to eventually get around to, uh, time permitting, um, you have a very interesting theory as uh, to what might be behind the UFO phenomena. We just heard recently from, or earlier from, Grant Cameron talking about a former CIA official who stated publicly that everything we've heard about Roswell, the UFO crash there in 1947, is absolutely true, including the recovery of alien uh, cadavers. Uh, but first, I want to get your take on a former Pentagon analyst saying that China has the covert capability to remotely access communications technology sold to the United States and other Western countries uh, by China, that they've got sort of a back door almost into computers, systems, and so forth at the Pentagon. Right. Richard, this particular story uh, really bothers me because you say to yourself, the Pentagon has all these geniuses working there, and here they are buying uh, chips for um, highly costly weaponry, airplanes. <clears throat> the X-15, for instance, cannot fly without chips. And why would they buy chips from China, which they did? And now the X-15 planes are all grounded until the chips are replaced. That is going to take up to three years. They have supplied the chips that we are using in our ICBMs, uh, all kinds of air-to-air missiles, all these things that have to have a chip in them to steer them or to maneuver them or receive signals. Uh, they're all coming from China. But the other side of the question is, in order to make these chips, you need pure silicone. And China is hogging all kinds of strategic materials in such a way that eventually, unless you kowtow to them, you will not be able to build some of the things you would like to build or do projects you'd like to, uh, to be involved in. The X-15, as far as I know, is still grounded. So you have, for example, these Chinese telecommunication firms such as uh, uh, ZTE Corps. They've got these electronic backdoors to the telecommunications technology that they sold to the U.S. and, I don't know, maybe even Canada. That's correct. They have the X-35, which has been on the drawing boards for years, has become increasingly difficult to engineer and to uh, even to produce. Uh, I don't believe one of them was ever produced. It's still on the drawing boards. And now the last I heard was the whole project was canceled, uh, simply because it requires so many chips. And the only way that they can get these chips is through China. And the only reason I can think of that is we don't have clear, uh, pure silicone. If you use silicone with uh, impurities in it, you wind up with an uncontrollable uh, product. So, so what, what's worst case scenario? I mean, there were there were rumors um, uh, during the Bush administration 
that Dick Cheney was aboard, uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, Air Force One, but uh, whatever the vice president flies around in. He was flying from Australia to the U.S. And what happened? First, the lights went out in the main cabin. Then all TV sets and so forth went out. Uh, the bathrooms, I think, <laughs> went out. And uh, Cheney was in there, and uh, the plane's navigational system uh, was compromised. And uh, they received a message to follow a certain uh, uh, area uh, of the uh, Pacific. They were flying in the Pacific at that point. Uh, to turn and to take up a certain azimuth, which they did, and they were uh, directed to land uh, in a Chinese city. And when they did that, Cheney came out of the airplane ranting and raving, you know, what's going on here and so forth, and screaming at the top of his lungs. And the Chinese met him there, on the runway and said, we brought your plane here with our computers. And he didn't know what to say. And then they told him that we have control of your weapons, we have control of your airplanes, we have control of your radar, and so forth. And this is proof to you that we have this. He got back in the plane, and he was allowed to fly back. They took away the controls of the plane and uh, returned everything to normal. And very little uh, ever really was put in the press about it. But it was a direct control of a U.S. aircraft, highly selected, and a plane that normally you would think would be, uh, it was U.S. Air Force One. And obviously sending a not-so-subtle message as to who's really uh, running the show and who's in control. Right, and, and the Chinese really were not threatening. They were just saying, we are controlling this. You are not controlling this. And, and in a way, it was like saying they're, they're taking away power from the United States, and they're going to run the show, and we're not going to run the show. And if you want chips from us, pay us and just shut up. All right, I want to move on to the book, actually, by a former police officer. She retired from the FBI due to post-traumatic stress disorder, which was linked to her role in the aftermath of the September 11th terror attacks. And she's written a book claiming that she saw legions of angels guarding the Pennsylvania site where a hijacked airliner crashed. This is Lily Leonardi. Now, Nils, you uh, have been dealing with the spiritual uh, world and spiritual matters for close to six decades. Have you heard similar stories or is this a trend? Uh, not only stories i mean i can tell my own stories i have three angels that i have seen in my lifetime one time i saw an angel in the parking lot at gm because i had i was supposed to report to work late and not when the shift started so when i got to the uh parking lot uh there was no activity there was nobody in the area and I pulled into the parking lot, and I found a uh, place to park right by the front gate. And that was great. So I swung the, the van around, and I'm backing into the uh, one parking space there. And I see this girl walking by the place where I just drove in. And I couldn't understand how she could be walking there, because I just came through there, and the whole street 
for about a half a mile in both directions is completely uh, fenced in. So I parked and I got out of the van and I began walking in that direction. I realized this woman, she was very pretty and she was wearing a sweater of a certain design. And uh, But below her hips, there was no body. She was walking on legs that were totally invisible. That's how I knew that she was an angel. And it did not scare me. It did not flip me out or anything like that. I have seen too much. So I just knew it was an angel, but I didn't know what it was going to lead to. And I got to the gate, and she had passed uh, a pillar that was part of the gate, and momentarily I didn't see her. And then I looked up and down the street, again, half a mile both ways, nobody in sight. She had disappeared. The next day in a New York paper, there was an advertisement for a sweater exactly the same as she was wearing. And I decided there must be a reason, there's a connection of some kind here. So I called up the company that had the sweater, and the company's name was the same as my wife. And I asked about the sweater, and they told her, yeah, we have it in different sizes, and I bought one. And uh, my wife wore it for angel protection for many weeks. And uh, we don't know if it actually gave her protection or not, but I did follow through on what happened with that. So So angels to me are are not new. And I've seen other angels, one in a gas station and one somewhere else came into a place I had as a business and uh, told me about my end uh, days, what I would be like when I was older. And And what do you make of Lily Leonardi's story, this former FBI agent? I think it's a great story, and I think that, you know, she's a very honest person. The book she wrote, I think, is worth reading, because uh, it's just something. Here she is, an FBI person trained to go to a crash site or to go to a place where there's trouble and evaluate things quickly. And she gets there three hours after the crash, There are no bodies, and there's practically no airplane. So what probably crashed there was a drone, and probably the same thing happened at the Pentagon. Again, no bodies. No, uh, a drone was probably the one that went in there and blew up so that uh, people would think it was an airplane. But But, but particularly, what what do you make of her, her report that she saw a legion of angels guarding. Uh, I mean, it would hard be, uh, hard to imagine why angels would guard a, a, a drone or a, a drone had it been uh, um, had it crashed. But but she saw angels guarding the Flight 93 crash site. What do you make of that claim? To me, it's a, an uplifting kind of a report because angels are very helpful. They try to be helpful. Uh, there's several kinds of angels. Uh, angels you don't want to mess with are the cherubim angels. They are the holy wing of, uh, Jehovah's military. And they are, there are plenty of those right here on the earth right now. Um, I talked to a person on the phone at times and that person claims to be an angel in human form. And, uh, being an angel, she said, believe it or not, it's very hard being on the earth because the pollution really gets to you. And if you're on the earth, you have to get off of it 
pretty quick. You can't stay around. And they said that, she said, that uh, angels have like contracts. They, they'll only come to the earth if it's just 30 days or 60 days um, because of the pollution. The air is so horrible for them. All right, Nils, got to cut it there, but we'll pick it up uh, again. Uh, appreciate it quickly. How do people get a hold of uh, Seal of the End Times? Well, they could call us at uh, 908-725-6252, and we'll be glad to ship them a copy, and that will come with updates so they know just what's going on in the recent times. 908-725-6252. Nils, great talking to you again. We'll do it again soon. Same here. Great show. Nils Hammerin. All right, back next week with Marie Jones. A journey through portals, relativity, wormholes, and other adventures in time travel. Check it out. And the, the website, of course, www.richardserrett.com. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I say in the dark, speak in the light, what you hear in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Good night.